Hi, and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today on our show, we're going to talk about the thought police are expanding operations. The J6 committee goes full show trial. You won't believe what they're saying. Schumer and Biden caused the Kavanaugh assassination attempt and rhino-backed gun deal. And I'll tell, of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again. Welcome to America Can We Talk to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, celebrating our second week in this uh, new studio that Real News PR, Real News Communication Network has developed. Uh, so I have a studio uh, here in Frisco, where it's relatively near where I'm living now, where we're living now, uh, and my regular studio on Thursday. So great to be in this new fun studio. Um, and I want to talk about a very serious topic in the First Five today, and I'll be embellishing on it throughout the show. You might have seen the news over the weekend that a, a football coach, this is uh, an NFL coach named uh, Jack Del Rio, and he's with the Washington Commanders. I believe that used to be the Redskins, but in any case, the Washington Commanders, he's a defensive coordinator, and he was fined by the NFL, the National Football League, for offensive speech. What he said was, what this coach said was essentially made reference to the uh, incident in, in the Capitol on January 6th. He referred to it as a dust up. And he compared, and he made a reference essentially to uh, minimizing the assault on the U.S. Capitol as a dust up compared with the 2020 uh, riots that followed the George Floyd um, incident in Minneapolis and the Black, <clears throat> Black Lives Matter sponsored riots. So, he was fined by the NFL, and I want to back up before I make my extremely, I think, are very important points about this episode. Uh, number one is, I understand the First Amendment to the United States Constitution applies to the government. That is what the free speech clause is there for. It is to protect citizens from being punished by the government for their speech. So the NFL obviously is not the government. But what the NFL is doing is picking up on going along with the left-wing narrative, which has essentially engulfed America, especially since the Biden, he who assumed office January 20th uh, of last year, Biden administration has become absolutely intolerant of free speech. They went after this. They tried to create essentially a ministry of truth. People were making the analogy to George Orwell's Ministry of Truth, the 1984 book, and they didn't seem to care. The Biden team did not care that that is what they were doing. Uh, they created a disinformation board, uh, which was essentially to go after what they get to decide is truth. And that's a really important point as we turn to the NFL. What the disinformation board was designed to do, and due to leaked documents we now know was going to do, was the government decides what constitutes truth hence Ministry of Truth, and what, decide, and what is misinformation or disinformation. And they can go after people who say things essentially the government doesn't like. So, for example, um, I'm going to guess if anyone were to point out that Hillary Clinton was actually the one behind the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax, which she was, which is irrefutable based on the evidence we now have, that would be, you know, something that this disinformation board would, would not like very much. You can't say bad things about Hillary, 
But in this case, I'm, I'm getting the point of saying what the left-wing America, the, the leftists who've now taken over America, the Marxists who've taken over America, have succeeded in doing is planting the seeds in the minds of the American people that they get to decide truth. And once they pronounce truth through the government, through the federal agencies, through the left-wing media that simply parrots everything the left-wing world wants, they decide truth. So if anyone else thinks something different, they're not only wrong, but they're actually potentially dangerous. They are dangerous uh, potential terrorists or domestic terrorists or extremists because they dare to disagree with the government. And the NFL and many other organizations, institutions in this country have taken this on, have decided, okay, well, you know, if we're going to play a ministry of truth, if the government's doing that, sure, I'll, I'll do that too. So these private organizations, such as the NFL, fined a coach $100,000 for making a reference to the dust-up that occurred on January 6th versus what occurred um, in our country over the last, uh, over 20, it was essentially all of 2020 and beyond, the Black Lives Matter protests. I want to ask um, my extremely wonderful producer who's here today in the studio with me, Emilio, if you can bring up clip seven. This is a just a side-by-side -side comparison of the damage caused to America by the people who committed the Black Lives Matter riots versus January 6th. I won't read every single item, but you could take a screenshot here or we have it up at our website. But I want to just point out the Black Lives Matter riots that destroyed major, major portions of major U.S. cities lasted for seven months. January 6th lasted a couple of hours. BLM riots, 20 plus murders by the participants, by the rioters, January 6th, zero murders by the people who were involved in the protests at the Capitol. No one at the Capitol, none of the protesters had a weapon. No one killed anyone at the Capitol. But the BLM rioters, murders around the country, a, a vastly huge uh, difference, a, a consequential difference. Um, also, businesses destroyed, small businesses destroyed, and the hundreds of small businesses destroyed by BLM, none by the January 6th people. Um, damage to federal buildings, or last damage overall, 1.8 billion, between 1.8 billion and $2 billion of damage caused by BLM, and the January 6th committee, uh, January 6th protesters, 1.5 million. And I say this to say, I'm raising this to say that I want you to understand what that coach said is not factually wrong. Is not factually wrong. The BLM protests lasted longer, killed more people, caused more damage, destroyed the uh, lives of innocent people and their businesses. The January 6th events, January 6th, 2021, went over several hours. The protesters killed no one. A Capitol Police officer killed a veteran, but the protesters killed no one. And yet, and his, so his point is very well taken, very fair, but what you're hearing from the NFL is they've decided that they are going to be consistent with what the trend is in this country, what the left is allowing people to say. So you can't talk about the truth behind the BLM riots. You can't talk about how many lives were lost and buildings destroyed and damage to the country. Can't talk about that, but you know, uh, because that isn't allowed, but make any reference and any reference to attempt to minimize the um, events of January 6th in the US Capitol, uh, that my friends get you in serious trouble. And I raise this to say, you know, we have a, uh, as I mentioned at the start of this first five, we have a first amendment, it guarantees freedom of speech. And as many people have commented and Supreme Court justices have commented, 
It doesn't mean free speech as long as you agree with it or free speech that doesn't offend anyone. There's no constitutional right not to be offended. Part of what the NFL said about this coach was, well, you know, some players were deeply offended by what he said. Okay, so they can be mad at him. They cannot play for him. They can whatever they want to do. But you don't have a right to not be offended. And many people in America are offended by many things the left says in this country, leftist organizations, offended by the way Black Lives Matter characterizes America, offended by the way the 1619 Project characterizes America, offended by a lot of what the left believes about a lot of things. But no one is saying that because I'm offended on the right, you can't say that. This is a hint at what I've been trying to talk to you about on this show, about the danger emerging out of today's political scene in Washington. You have in power now, we have in power now in our country, a president, a House, and a Senate who actually completely believe they get to say what truth is, they get to target people who will not parrot and imitate their truth, they do not have to tolerate anyone who won't go along with what they're saying, and they most certainly have the right to mock, ridicule, and maybe even float the idea of prosecuting people who won't agree with them. This is called tyranny. This is called censorship by the government. This is exactly the kind of behavior engaged in by the Biden administration the First Amendment was designed to prevent. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So I mentioned starting the show about the January 6th committee. Um, if you get my newsletter, you saw I dedicated the whole my column this week uh, to the January 6th committee and their conduct. If you don't get my newsletter, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and I encourage you to sign up for the newsletter. It's on the homepage, americacanwetalk.org. Hit subscribe. It's a once-a-week newsletter. comes out Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. This week came out on Sunday. Uh, it contains my column, a link to all the past interviews of the previous week, past shows. And I talked about the January 6th committee. And since the time I even wrote that, more things have come out. Understanding that the January 6th committee, which is essentially all radical leftists, including the two people who cling to an R by their name for unclear reasons, the two R's on that committee are radical leftists, just as the remaining members of that committee are. The January 6th committee has been holding private hearings dedicated to, allegedly dedicating to digging out the truth about all that occurred on January 6th. But as I've told you from the beginning, and others have as well, the entire purpose of the January 6th committee is to undermine President Trump, to send a signal to President Trump he will never, ever, ever run again, never be permitted to be president again, to send a signal to anyone who supports President Trump, but more broadly than Trump, forget about Trump. Say you hate Trump and you never wanted him to be president to start with. The message of the January 6th committee is that the government now decides and looks through the lens of political bias to assess your conduct and decide whether uh, how to label things. So they call January 6th an insurrection. That is a lie. I am 100% sure sitting here telling you that Liz Cheney knows that's a lie, that um, every member of that committee understands the January 6th protest at the Capitol was not an insurrection. Many, many, many people have deep concerns about the FBI's level of involvement ahead of time as planted people inside the crowd who somehow never got prosecuted. Everybody and their brother got prosecuted for showing up in Washington that day. But the people identified as FBI informant types in the crowd, they didn't get. The January 6th committee is a witch hunt, not just against Trump personally. you got to see it in bigger terms. It is a message to the American people. Nobody messes with the American left. 
Nobody shuts us down. Nobody challenges what we are doing. And nobody, as they've made clear through numerous uh, actions by the federal government, nobody in this country better dare question the 2020 election outcome, even though everyone paying attention and actually reading and learning understands that the, that the election of 2020 were filled with outcome-changing fraud filled with fraud in a whole variety of avenues. If you didn't see my show this past Thursday, I had Tina Peters on, a stellar, stellar American patriot, along with Shorna Bishop. The two of them talked about what happened in Mesa County, Arizona, and how what they uncovered that directly shows the corruption, the hackability of Dominion voting machines, and the actual hacking that occurred. If you didn't see that show, go back and look at it. Go to our website, americachemitalk.org, and play that interview of Tina Peters this past Thursday. June 9th, and you will then begin to understand more and more why Americans are so concerned about elections. So back to what I want to talk about the January 6th committee. So the January 6th committee um, has now announced that they are, they think, some of them think they ha actually have enough evidence, enough evidence to potentially consider the prosecution uh, to indict President Trump. And this was, again, the purpose of the January 6th committee was never to get at truth. It was to implicate Trump, to, to uh, neutralize him politically, cause him to be never be able to run again, and to send a message to the American people. Nobody messes with the Democrats when they're in power. When we have power, we will shut you down if you dare challenge us. So now you actually have uh, Representative Adam completely shiftless uh, on weekend uh, news shows talking about what they think they have on Donald Trump. And this is my very happy producer, Emilio. This is clip one. I would like to see the Justice Department investigate any credible allegation of criminal activity on the part of Donald Trump or anyone else. Uh, the rule of law needs to apply equally to everyone. Uh, and there are uh, certain uh, actions, parts of these different lines of effort to overturn the election that uh, I don't see evidence the Justice Department is investigating. Uh, and uh, of course, we have now a federal judge uh, saying that he believes, based on the limited set of evidence that he has seen, which is far smaller than the body that we've accumulated, that the president and others may have committed multiple federal crimes. So that should be investigated. And then ultimately, once the evidence is accumulated by the Justice Department, it needs to make a decision about whether it can prove to a jury beyond a reasonable doubt the president's guilt or anyone else's. But they need to be investigated uh, if there's credible evidence, which I think there is. Okay, so. That is the, I mean, I actually contemplated dedicating a significant portion of today's show to running through the evidence of how completely barren of ethics and morality Representative Adam Schiffless is. I mean, the guy is just a, uh, he's a walking, I, I can't even think of words that are nice enough to say about him. He's a corrupt politician who spent his entire time in Washington going after Trump putting up evidence he knew wasn't true, pushing witnesses he knew wasn't true. This is a corrupt politico dedicated to the left-wing takeover of America, and he's now daring to go on national television saying, hey, I think we have enough. Maybe we're going to get Trump. By the way, the January 6th committee decided, as we mentioned last week, uh, they've been having uh, hearings in private, and now they've decided to take them public. The first one aired, I think it was last Thursday. Uh, I just want to point out to you that, like, nobody watched. It's a beautiful thing. I think the left thought, and I know I talked about this last week, the leftists in this country thought that once they had their show trial, you know, Hollywood, literally Hollywood production-type presentation, 
aired nationally, timed to be available for all time zones in America to be able to watch after work. It was 8 p.m. Eastern, so that's what they do, They how they time things when they're hoping even Californians can tune in if they want to. So they had this big show trial beginning last Thursday, and, and nobody watched. I mean, the numbers actually were... Um, the hearing uh, it drew significantly based on the most recent ratings data. January 6th hearing coverage on broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, drew significantly smaller audiences than those networks' own evening newscasts generally do, which also, I should point out, nobody watches those networks. Nobody watches them, and even the people who sometimes watch them didn't even tune into this January 6th charade. And I use the word show trial, and I want to say something really important about that. The term show trial became popular in reference to what Stalin did in Russia when he was demonstrating for the people once he got power, this is how, how brutal I am, Russian people. This is Stalin saying, understand this is how brutal I am. When we come to power, we're going after the previous leaders of this country. And we put on a show trial, meaning it's not a serious trial. It's not an effort to get at facts, to understand what occurred. It is an effort to humiliate, mortify, and condemn the leaders in Russia prior to Stalin. And the show trials resulted in the you know, death and execution of people who dared to cross his path. When I use the word show trial, I am talking not about the impending, the intention to carry things as far as Stalin did, but you have to understand the political import of what the Democrats are doing. The January 6th committee, the January 6th investigation, the January 6th hearings are not about finding out truth. If they were, there are a whole litany of things that they will simply not look into, the committee will not look into, will not reveal, hours, and I mean thousands of hours of video coverage within the Capitol they won't release thousands of hours that could vindicate many that could that could make change everything about this there are other pieces of evidence i had a longer discussion last week about it but short handing today i'll just say there is a lot of evidence if the purpose of this committee were to actually get to truth they'd be presenting this and they won't do it they're not doing it so back to this anyway no, nobody paid attention which i guess is a good thing um and you know and, and i hope they continue to become less and less interested but I do, I think it's important to understand that when I make this parallel to what the January 6th committee is doing, what the Democrats are doing, I do mean they are trying very hard to send the political message to the American people. Nobody challenges us. Nobody comes against us. No, and, and, the, and let me tie some other, connect some of the dots here. The entire reason people were in Washington on January 6th to hear President Trump speak is because by that point, between the election of 2020, November 3rd, and January 6th, which is a constitutionally required hearing or gathering in the Capitol, where the uh, president pro tem of the Senate, who's the same as the vice president, so it was uh, Pence, is in charge of this meeting on January 6th in the Capitol to certify the electoral college results sent in by the states. By the time that hearing happened, by the time that day arrived, many people in Congress were aware because the states were notifying Congress, you know, we're not really sure about our numbers here. Well, things are looking really, uh, we, you know, we, we, we're not sure we sent you the right information. So there was that aspect of it. But just the people showing up in Washington, they were there because their own eyes and ears told them something is really, really wrong with this election. Something's really wrong. 
We did not have in this country a, a campaign of any kind out of the Democrats. I mean, they just basically slept through it all, phoned it in, and showed up and won on election day as contrasted with what Trump did, which was held rally after rally after rally after rally, days and weeks on end. So a lot of people were there because they just didn't think it seemed right. But I'm getting around to saying about this January 6th committee is, I think that what the, um, actually, I'm going to do one more point about Trump and what his role was in, in Washington and in America. When Donald Trump ran for president the first time in 2015 and 2016, elected in 2016, took office 2017, he presented a, an extreme and different, not an extreme, he presented a refreshing new alternative to the American people who had watched as Washington grew as a uniparty, as Republicans and Democrats worked more and more lockstep, supporting each other, ignoring the interests of the American people. Donald Trump brought up the border isn't secure. We have, we have just people pouring in over the southern border. We have trade deals that hurt America. They take jobs away from the American people. We have, a, you know, we have Bernie Sanders, you know, crazy Bernie Sanders pushing socialism and that agenda, no one's speaking up on our side. We had Donald Trump run on very serious substantive issues about restoring the idea of America, restoring religious freedom, restoring protection for human life. He ran on a very refreshing agenda. Basically, in my words, summarized, we should love America. We should keep America sovereign, keep America great. That's what he ran on in 2016. And the American people overwhelmingly said yes. So we get to 2020, and part of what, what Trump did when he ran at that time, you know, even after he won, the Democrats and Republicans in Congress largely worked to undermine him, largely worked to stop his agenda, wouldn't support him on anything he was trying to do, even when the Republicans had the majority in the Senate and House and could have helped him. Trump exposed the massive swamp uniparty. That's what he did. He helped people see how politicians who come home to their respective states and, and, uh, their, or their congressional districts and spout off some talking points. Everyone knows you're supposed to say when you're Republican, but when they go back to Washington, they just play the uniparty game. Trump exposed all of that. So he really angered and frustrated many longtime swamp-dwelling establishment Washington people with the idea that, yeah, I'm going to get the American people riled up about loving America, about standing up for America, about standing for the idea of freedom and all the things America is supposed to stand for. So now we get around to January 6th. The January 6th committee was designed to send the message to Trump, you may never run again, we're going we're gonna to hurt you every way we can. It was designed to send the message to the American people, don't even think about electing someone else like Trump, don't support him, do not support this agenda, because we, the Uniparty, we're in charge. I, when I mentioned the Republicans in Washington, I could run off, but probably on one hand, maybe two hands, the Republicans who actually stand up for truth in the House and the Senate. I mean, there's this tiny number. Most of them just go along to get along. So back where we are, the January 6th committee is now talking about indictment. They're actually saying, and it isn't just Schiffless saying this, it's others saying that they think they have enough to possibly want the DOJ to look into indicting Donald Trump. And again, understand, Trump made a speech on January 6th. Two days before that, Trump said, he signed, he, he put in place the order that said, let's get extra troops up at the Capitol. Let's get, and, and people say it was 10,000 or 20,000, whichever it was, 
let's get extra National Guard troops at the Capitol because things, you know, people are upset. He knew people were upset. He was trying to protect the Capitol. Nancy Pelosi wouldn't sign off on it. Get that fact straight in your head because you understand now, Pelosi in charge of this January 6th committee wouldn't sign off on protecting the Capitol, took numerous other steps we've discussed in the past that it do not are not the steps of someone trying to protect the Capitol. And now she's sitting on the, you know, the Queens with her, you know, the queen of that committee as they move forward, trying to blame Trump for what they call an insurrection, doesn't come close to meeting the standard of an insurrection. You had some people very upset, and some people wanted to disrupt the proceeding, and they've all been charged. And even people who simply got inside the Capitol, which we'll talk about in a, in a moment, but people just got inside the Capitol, they've been charged for even entering the Capitol. But we are entering a new and dangerous stage in American history where we're simply going to let the Democrats run this country like a Stalin show trial. Now that they have power, they're going to send the message to America and, and to the world. We're never, ever, ever, ever going to stop investigating the, the, fake, elect, the, the fake insurrection. We're never going to stop. We're going we're gonna to silence and intimidate Americans into submission. We're going to silence and intimidate Trump, Americans, everyone who supports him into submission and silence. If you're listening on radio, for our happy radio listeners, you're about to go off on a break. It's a three-minute break. I will be right here when you come back for a whole other great half an hour radio. So do come back after your break. You're listening to America Can We Talk. Our website is americacanwetalk.org. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. You can always watch this show live on our website, americacanwetalk.org. For the rest of you, I want to tell you a little more about this um, January 16th and how very, 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 very serious this is as a just a, a massive and dangerous and sinister milestone this is in American history. Indicting, even floating the idea of indicting a former president never happened before in, in, in American history. Never happened. So now we're talking about indicting a former president when he was the one that wanted extra troops at the Capitol, when the, the people who benefited from the fraud that even then many people could see are now saying, we benefited from the fraud, we got our guy in, and by the way, you know, we're shutting down all political opposition. We are sending a signal all political opposition will stop talking. This is the message of the left. And so I want to tell you uh, two little interesting tidbits about this. Um, one is uh, that there is a, a dad uh, and his adult son who are going on trial soon. Uh, they were they are January 6th defendants. And part of what the dad, and he's charged with entering the Capitol. I, I don't think he's charged with anything violent, but he's charged with entering the Capitol that day and being in an area that they are claiming he must have knew, known was impermissible to be in. He's saying the Capitol police officers let him in, let him walk in, which has proved to be the case because now video finally released showed people that, yeah, there were Capitol officers who let people in that day, people who were then later charged with, you know, storming the Capitol or entering unlawfully. But this dad entered carrying a Confederate flag. And I'm telling you about this case because I want you to think about just a moment what the left is trying to do. They have pictures of him walking in the Capitol carrying a Confederate flag. And it is by it is their subtle message to the reader, well, of course you have to go after this guy. I mean, he comes in the Capitol, he has a Confederate flag, surely we have to prosecute him. As I say, no violent charges against him, which I'm aware. They're saying he was someplace he wasn't supposed to be. 
But I want to ask you, so he's got a Confederate flag. And to be really clear, I don't have a Confederate flag. I don't like the Confederate flag. It's not my thing. But I support the right of people who want to have a Confederate flag, even though it's not my thing. Now, what if he walked into the Capitol, someone walked in the Capitol that day, with a Black Lives Matter flag? With an LGBTQ flag, a rainbow flag? What if those people entered the Capitol? Would you, would a prosecutor, should a prosecutor be able to say, well, yeah, we're definitely going to go after that guy because he had a BLM flag or he had an LGBTQ flag? Of course not. The, the mindset the left has set is that those things are to be never challenged, never questioned, and, and in fact, you're kind of bowed down to. But someone has a, a Confederate flag, and it is touted in the stories about him as one of the reasons to come out, go after him. Welcome back to our radio listeners. We're very quickly right now discussing the case. A, a gentleman, a dad, and his son um, are starting their trial. They have a trial in front of the... Um, this U.S. District Judge Trevor McFadden, who was appointed by Trump and who has made some comments on the record uh, contrasting how harshly the DOJ is treating the January 6th defendants as, as contrasted with how they're treating the people around the country who burned the country down all of 2020. But back to McFadden, and, or back to this trial, uh, this is a, a Delaware uh, citizen uh, named Kevin Seafried, and in, on that day, on January 6th, he entered the Capitol carrying a Confederate battle flag. And I want to make this point in closing out this story and then turn to another amazing January 6th story. But there is no basis for any judge, any juror, anyone, any journalist to say that this guy is more culpable or more, more you know, deserving of prosecution, more uh, you know, clearly in the wrong because he happened to enter the Capitol carrying Confederate flag then someone to say, oh, someone entered the, the uh, Capitol carrying a BLM flag, an LGBTQ flag, or some other flag that some people like politically and some people don't like politically. But I'm getting at the left is using this, he entered the Capitol carrying a Confederate flag, as though that makes him more and more culpable, more somehow guilty of wrongdoing. This is a First Amendment, a huge First Amendment issue. You're allowed to hold on popular opinions in America. You're allowed to love the BLM flag. I do not. You're allowed to love the Confederate flag. I do not. Not my thing. I like the American flag. Oh, tomorrow's flag day. We're going to celebrate that. But anyway, that's what I like. But this guy, if he entered the Capitol, has every right to do that. And carry, if, if, Or whether he entered unlawfully will be the subject of his trial. But understand how the left is trying to manipulate the American people into characterizing someone as more uh, deserving of prosecution because he carried a Confederate flag in. Uh, the only thing he's really charged with, it appears, is being in an area of the Capitol he should have known he wasn't supposed to be in. So, But th these January 6th prosecutions, these are going for the jugular of American freedom. The January 6th prosecutions are going for the jugular of American freedom. They're going to tell you, you don't protest us. You don't protest Democrat victory. You, you aren't allowed to do this. So uh, I want to one other uh, story because I, I tell, these, tell you about the January 6th stories um, in part because I'm just, I'm so concerned about what's happening to our country, what's happening right before our very eyes in Washington, which is you have a now- clear to many, many people, a socialist regime, a Marxist regime in power. Biden's not in power. He doesn't even know what day it is. But the, whoever's controlling the administration, which is likely Obama, Soros, another, you know, several other players in that left-wing cabal who orchestrate everything on the left, 
they're in charge of things, and they're setting the tone and the pace and everything that happens in Washington. And they are ones who are so far pushing uh, to really go after everything related to January 6th to frighten the American people into thinking that we cannot ever, ever, ever have Republican elected officials be in charge. We certainly can't have Republican president because look what they did when they're in charge. This is a, it's a psychological operation against the American people to cause us to be afraid to have Republican government. This is the purpose of January 6th. It is also what the whole cabal behind the scenes is doing. And I want to say one more thing before I, there's a, a January 6th defendant who wrote a letter to another talk show host named Steve Dace, great talk show host, wrote an email, I guess, to Steve Dace, uh, and he, Steve Dace, put it out for everyone to read. And I want to read just tiny portions of it, but this is a law-abiding, happily married, Christian husband, got a wife, got kids, and he's facing 20 years in prison for pretty much nothing. And he wrote this letter. I, I one reason I can't read the whole letter is it's too long, but the other is it might make me cry. I mean, just the idea of this is happening in America. We are watching a very totalitarian mindset rise on the American left and far too, people, far too few people in Washington speaking up against it. And back to the little cabal who's running everything. Obama, Soros, you know, Biden when he's there, I don't know how much role he has. But I want you to think about what they're doing. Right now, I don't think the people in the January 6th committee actually have any authority to speak out to the media in the way that we just heard Adam Schiffless did. And there was another guy uh, who spoke pretty prominently over the news shows over the weekend, Raskin, I think his name is. Those people would not speak out and say, we think we have enough to indict President Trump, which is what they're saying. They, they are unequivocal. We think we have enough to indict him. Putting on a former president, the most popular president in American history, most popular president election-wise in American history, putting him on as a show trial would be a, a, a giant step off the cliff toward totalitarian control of this country by the left. And Obama knows this, and Soros knows this, and Biden, I don't know what he knows, but the people running this country know this. They recognize how serious the situation is. And the idea that they would even consider indicting a former most popular president ever who still brings great, uh, holds rallies and, you know, thousands, you know, flock to get there and they stand in line all night in the rain to get there. What they're really calculating, those people who are really in charge, they're calculating whether or not they really want to push America over the cliff into, into potentially violent conflict. America is not going to take it peacefully if these people actually think they can indict Donald Trump over a cooked-up, non-existent insurrection, which is what they're trying to do. The American people will not stand for it. I'm not predicting violence, and I don't want violence. I am stating what I think is, is almost, you know, w without refute, almost unquestionable. If the, if the Democrats get their Democrat DOJ and Merrick Garland, the, you know, just horrific Attorney General Merrick Garland to actually indict Donald Trump, Obama and the whole team who understands who's running everything, those people are calculating that they are okay with provoking what they can all understand will be a likely 
massive protest by the American people, a massive pushback, a potential for actual, you know, armed conflict. People are not going to just have the president who they know did nothing wrong, who was, who was you know, impeached twice over a farce, who was, who was a subject of the Russia-Trump collusion. The, the left has been pummeling and pummeling and pummeling Trump. And again, it's not because they don't like his tweets. And it's not because they have policy differences. It's because Trump stopped what the left has been trying to do to this country for decades, which is eventually to effectuate the left-wing takeover, the actual Marxist takeover of this country, which is now underway. Trump stopped them in 2016, and they're looking at him, and they see how popular he is, and they, they are trying to decide, what do we do about this guy? Do we go forward with indictment and have the American people, I mean, the American people are not going to take this sitting down and say, oh, well, let's just wait and see. Because American people don't trust our judges. They don't trust our uh, federal courts. They don't trust the FBI or the DOJ, all with good reason. The American people don't trust them. And if this, these people are going to say, yeah, we're going to actually indict Trump, I am very concerned about the level of violence that almost, almost without question will occur. And this is the calculation Obama and team are doing. They're trying to decide, is it worth, is now the time? Let's just seize power. We're almost there. Let's seize power. Let's grab the country. Let's indict the guy who stands up for America, the free, the strong, the brave, the grave, unique and extraordinary. You know, let's indict him. And, and, and then when we have the opposition, the uprising, we know will happen. And then we are justified in clamping down and doing what we've always wanted to do, which is take away the freedom of the American people, to put them in some kind of repressive state because, after all, they dare to challenge the federal government. People, that's why I'm trying to say to you in the most serious terms I can, this is a very, 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 very serious time in American history. It's not time for lightweight, you know, back and forth, um, you know, debates on policy questions and tax rates. It's about, are we going to have America the free, the strong, the brave, and the great, or are we going to capitulate to the socialists who now control this country and just let them take it over? That's where we are. And this is a calculation Obama's doing, trying to decide, you know, is this the time? Do we dare do this? These are very grave, very sinister times. What the January 6th committee is doing is bad enough. Their talk about possibly indicting Trump, this is, you know, it's just very serious. And I, I urge every patriot to recognize, even if you hated Trump and you hate his tweets and you hate his mother, whatever you don't like about him, I don't care. You don't want this to happen to America because America is not going to tolerate this idea that we just, you know, we just let the left take over and destroy the presidency and the, and the, and the man who uh, Americans literally got behind and who won the election in 2016, and frankly, who won it in 2020. And every single member, I'm going to guess, on that January 6th committee, they know perfectly well that Trump won again in 2020. They know this. They feel they are desperately determined to find some way to shut him down. So very quickly, I want to tell you, there's a letter that I mentioned that Steve Dace received from a listener. This is a dad, um, and he's basically saying, he, he, well, he was charged on January 6th. Uh, he has zero criminal history, and I'm looking at years in prison after I took a plea, meaning he entered a plea bargain. He was charged with something, and why would I take a plea 
Innocent had nothing to do with this. My lawyer told me over and over again. He's saying this is payback. There are only a handful of representatives in D.C. that care about us. The vast majority couldn't care less. This is his lawyer telling him this, why he should go ahead and plead guilty. Because the representatives in Washington don't care what the truth is. Even the ones with the R by them, they don't care. They're not going to protect you. They secretly despise Trump and anyone on the six as well. The DOJ knows this. This is what this guy is writing today. So this is what his lawyer told him. There will be no reform of this government. There will be no going back. All there is now is a path ahead, but that path will never lead back to the country we once were. I watched for and this, this is he speaking. I watched for four years as our government that I pay taxes for try to impeach and even oust our president with sheer impunity. Hillary's smearing stunt morphed into a coup that lasted Trump's entire term. Then I watched the election get stolen from the American people. This is dad talking about this. Basically, he went to Washington. Um, you know, he didn't uh, do anything. And I didn't break anything. I didn't steal anything. I wasn't violent, but it doesn't matter. He says, I lost my six-figure income. My friends, my family is a wreck. I had the FBI in my home. I was brought before a judge in shackles, yet I'm a lucky one. I got to remain free till sentencing. So this is the country I now live in. When the powerful few can attack an elected president, attempting to remove him four years and where elections no longer matter, we are no longer free. And this country was taken without firing a single shot. Guns are meaningless at this point. It was the First Amendment that people should have been fighting for the most. And so, I mean, I go on and on, but the, the letters, uh, I, it could make you cry. And you recognize this is the kind of patriot who stood up on January 6th and tried to say, you know, maybe there's something we can still do here. And, and I'm telling you, folks, there, there's, you know, he's, he's giving up on America. I'm not giving up. I am not giving up. I am not urging you. I don't ever want you to give up. Um, so I want to make a quick point, just a quick analogy. Um, I call this section Schumer and Biden caused Kavanaugh attempted assassination. Uh, that's the name of this segment. And I want to just think about this. So the, the January 6th committee is saying Trump, who tried to protect the Capitol by putting more troops in, he is to be prosecuted. But as we are now watching the Supreme Court likely to hand down the Roe versus Wade decision any day now, maybe even today, and likely to overturn Roe versus Wade, the violence in this country against um, by the people who are the pro-abortion crowd, the, the pro, or they call themselves pro-choice crowd, they are, they are, they've already blocked off streets in Washington, D.C. today, blocked off streets. And they are, I mean, the, the violence they are they're urging and talking about is simply monumental. So I want to quick have you, uh, have Emilio the Wonderful play this one clip. This is clip two. These are the words of Chucky e. Schumer, now again the majority leader in the Senate, Democrat majority leader outside the Supreme Court, even after just when Kavanaugh and um, one of the judges um, had been appointed, can't the other, other guy's name, anyway, the two judges of the Supreme Court had been appointed um, and um, and they weren't even talking about abortion yet. I want to play this clip, please. Inside the walls of this court, the Supreme Court is hearing arguments, as you know, for the first major abortion right cases since Justices Kavanaugh and Justices Gorsuch came to the bench. We know what's at stake. Over the last three years, women's reproductive rights have come under attack in a way we haven't seen in modern history. From Louisiana to Missouri to Texas, Republican legislatures are waging a war on women, all women, and they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, 
I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. Okay, cut him off. I, I despise that man. I want to point something out. Over the weekend, there was an attempted assassin, an assassin who admitted he was outside Justice, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh's house with the intention of killing him. Hey, he had a knife and a gun. And so, I mean, he might he's clearly a little mentally off because he was outside Kavanaugh's house, I mean, stalking a member of the Supreme Court, which is, by the way, specifically not permitted to threaten a member of the Supreme Court by federal law, but, you know, so far, that doesn't seem to bother the uh, Biden administration. Anyway, but this guy walked away um, and, and called, like, turned himself in on the phone, said, hey, I'm, I'm here to kill Kavanaugh. I mean, so he's a little bit of a lunatic. But my point is, the violence that he wanted to commit, the, the encouragement he believed he had, to, that would be a really good idea to kill a, a sitting Supreme Court justice. And then now what we're seeing in Washington, the pro-choice, uh, the supporters of Roe versus Wade, who want Roe versus Wade to remain intact, they are, they've now blocked off the streets accessing the Supreme Court. They are out, and I have, I, I'm out of time to show you these tweets. I had a bunch of tweets, but I can't but I take time for them today. With a bunch of tweets that of all these groups talking about how they're basically going to surround the Supreme Court. They're trying to send a threat to the Supreme Court. Don't you dare do your job. Don't you dare do what you believe in. You were appointed. You went through the whole process to become a Supreme Court justice. Don't you dare use your own thinking. We, the mob, we, the left-wing bullying mob, we're here. And we're here to tell you, you're going to do what we tell you to do. And you're going to be threatened and you're, and you're going to be afraid of us unless you do what we tell you to do, which is to uphold Roe versus Wade. So do you think that Schumer, who just openly threatened Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, or Biden, who recently made some completely idiotic comment, predicting a mini-revolution, a mini-revolution, if the Supreme Court dares to overturn Roe versus Wade, should those people, should they be liable? I mean, should they be considered possibly engaged in a federal crime? It'll never happen because the American left owns the courts, it owns the DOJ, it owns all levers of power in this country. But if Trump, who did not encourage an insurrection, did not commit an insurrection, wasn't at the Capitol, and most people charged didn't do anything like that, if they're going to be spending 20 years in prison, shouldn't Schumer and Biden and all these other whack job leftists who just you know get hysterical about Roe versus Wade, if there is violence coming out of the hands of the um, of the pro Roe versus Wade, the pro choice people, uh, if they end up hurting someone or killing someone, shouldn't that be shouldn't that my same standard? Shouldn't they be culpable criminally? But they won't be, they won't be because that is again back to Ministry of Truth. This is an opinion you're allowed to hold in this country that the only right answer is Roe versus Wade should stand. That abortion should stand, as is. That is what the left is saying the only permissible narrative is. And so these kind of comments by Schumer and many others. And by the way, as a small point, before I hit my last little point of the day, but as a small point, I was thinking about this today. I was actually reading about some of the groups that are orchestrating these protests to stand. They, they want Roe versus Wade to remain intact. And many people are anticipating uh, that the Supreme Court, because of the leaked brief, leaked draft brief, they're anticipating the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe versus Wade. But you know what's the most amazing thing? I think it is now up to 15, 1, 5, 15 pro-life pregnancy resource centers have been attacked in some way in this country. 
have been either, you know, rocks thrown, uh, I mean, burned, uh, lit on fire. And, you know, it's a really interesting mindset. I want you to think about that for a moment before I turn to my last point about guns today and the Second Amendment. If you're stridently pro-choice, what you say, what they claim they say is, I think it's up to a woman, her right to choose. And so that means a woman could choose to carry her uh, her pregnancy to fruition and, and give birth and keep the baby or put the baby up for adoption or whatever. Um, or if you're a pro-choice, you know, the other choice is uh, that they should be able to pursue an abortion, even up to birth. In fact, even after birth, while they're thinking about it, they've actually said recently. But what is the reason to attack the pro-life resources? What's the reason to attack these 15 different uh, resource centers around the country who simply try to give women... Uh, a choice. They often try to say they give them choice, they give them information, they give them support. You know, if you want to go ahead and carry and, and keep this baby, we'll help you. We'll help you understand. We'll, you know, we'll let you see the baby. Uh, you can have a sonogram here and see that it's a baby. It's not a clump of cells. And, you know, we will help you. We'll support you along the way. We'll help you play, uh, you know, whatever path you want to take. They're the ones actually providing comfort and care to women who are in a, a situation with an unwanted and perhaps frightening pregnancy. What does it mean when the leftists, the pro Roe versus Wade people, burn down or attack pregnancy resource centers? They, it means they are not pro-choice, they're pro-abortion. They're angry because someone's given these women another choice. Think about that. What other reason would a strident pro-choice, strident Roe versus Wade supporter have for attacking a pregnancy resource center, which is one avenue to give women a choice? They don't want choice. They want abortion. They think it is a, it's practically a sacrament to some of these left-wingers. Now, there are more moderate people who support Roe versus Wade or, you know, have sympathies about, in some cases, they think abortion should be legal. That, that's a different question. And, you know, very fair, different question. But many of these, the leaders, the ones instilling all this crazy, these are people who actually strive to support and encourage abortion. So they're not really pro-choice, like they always want to say, I'm not pro-abortion, I'm pro-choice. No, actually, they're pro-abortion. Okay, I'll do one other quick thing. I have to do more on this tomorrow, but or sometime soon. Um, but I want to mention, so there's big news out that the uh, some of the endlessly uh, capitulating Republicans, they, they call them rhinos, Republican in name only, but the Republicans who forever and a day capitulate to the left, there is now a deal announced out of the Senate. Ten Republican senators have apparently joined in the, um, in the effort to come up with new gun restrictions. And uh, people call them the Uniparty, whatever you want to call them, but they're, they're coming up with new restrictions uh, on guns in light of the Uvalde shooting. And again, it's Heartbreaking what happens happened at the Uvalde school in Uvalde, the Rob Elementary School. Heartbreaking every every place there have been these incidents around the country. But you know, Joe Biden actually said at some I don't know how recently it was, but said he did not support fortifying the schools to stop school shooting. The answer obviously is for the same way we fortify banks, jewelry stores, government institutions, anything we protect. You know, precious art. We get better security. That's what we do. And somehow this, this answer always gets an eye roll from the left. But when there are lunatics out there, you fortify the schools. But instead, and I want to just get to this point about the Second Amendment. And we'll probably have to do more about that in, in this coming um, 
I don't know what time period, but, but talking about the Second Amendment is going to be very, very important. While Uvalde is horrible and the school shootings are horrible, the idea of surrendering the protection of the Second Amendment, which is in the Constitution, not for protecting hunting or, you know, skeet shooting or even for self-defense in your home. The entire purpose of the Second Amendment in the U.S. Constitution is to keep the balance of power between the people and the government. And Mr. Emilio, there was one last clip, six, a quick thing. There's a great little meme I saw I wanted to just share with you. Um, the men who wrote the Second Amendment did not just finish a hunting trip. They just finished liberating a nation. Understand, in this era, I'm going to close with this today and, then, and um, come back another day. We are in a stridently divided time. We are watching a socialist Marxist government rise in power in Washington, threaten free speech, threaten people. It is a deeply alarming time in this country, the rise of government control over society. And at this point, these Republicans signing on to Second Amendment restrictions, completely crazy. Radio listeners are off. I'll talk to you next time. For everybody else, I'll tell you, I close this show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started today talking about the um, thought police are expanding operations. Um, NFL assistant coach Jack Del Rio called January 6th a dust-up compared to the George Floyd riots, which would be a factually correct statement. January 6th was one day, George Floyd, BLM, 500 riots over seven months. January 6th, minor property damage, no protester armed, and George Floyd, BLM, billions in damage, armed looting. Calling January 6th a dust-up compared to the George Floyd, BLM riots is merely an opinion used to be protected by freedom of speech. And the facts indicate it's a reasonable, informed opinion. Yet Craven NFL fines Del Rio $100,000 and forces his public apology for thinking wrongly. In fact, I say I'm sorry for those I, I offended. I mean, it's the most outrageous capitulation. I guess he has no choice because he likes his job, but people ought to pressure the NFL over this. Anyway, shame on the NFL, the most leftist bootlicking of all corporate enterprises, wildly out of touch with the attitudes of American football fans, millions of whom agree with Del Rio. And the January 6th um, committee goes full show trial. Mountains of J6 exculpatory video evidence still not released. Feds plants and plants and provocateurs on video, but not charged. Documented evidence of Trump's January 4th call for troops, 20,000 National Guard troops at the Capitol. Trump thought would be a good idea. Rejected by Pelosi, not publicly acknowledged by the January 6th committee. Yet Adam Schiffless and others calling for the DOJ to indict Trump. While Steve Bannon, oh, I didn't get to this story. Steve Bannon claims thousands of whistleblowers are ready to support indictment of Chris Ray and Merrick Garland. Chris Ray would, I mean, these are, I would get that Steve Bannon story tomorrow because it's great. He is pushing this idea that we actually need to go after these people and try to get criminal indictments using the whistleblowers who are coming out. Rulers of the leftist cabal, Soros, Obama, Schwab, are, Schwab being the um, World Economic Forum, are playing with fire. They know there's no basis to indict Trump. They know the election was stolen. They know indicting Trump may trigger violence. Is that what they want? Martial law? No elections in November? It can make you wonder. And Schumer and Biden caused Kavanaugh attempted assassination. Biden and Schumer on video with insightful rhetoric against Kavanaugh and others warning against overturning Roe. So under leftist logic, if Biden and Schumer say Trump is responsible for January 6th, 
are Biden and Schumer responsible for anything that happens if Roe is overturned? Or if anything happens to any Supreme Court justice, police already called out to be ready for Roe decision. Why is it okay for leftists to call for riots and violence against any Supreme Court decision? And on rhino back gun deal, rhinos are stunningly out of touch and clueless about the mood and condition of America. America is being destroyed in an all-out leftist assault against everything that holds America together. Stoking racial conflict, opening borders to millions of illegals, shutting down energy, energy production, creating food shortages via deliberate destruction of food processing plants, destroying savings through runaway spending and hyperinflation. And now is the time for the feckless rhino GOPs to, excuse me, now is the time to move toward the left's desire to disarm Americans. And I mean by that, now is the time that Cornyn, Senator John Corn of Texas and other, other rhinos are going to move toward the left's desire to disarm Americans. The GOP establishment leaders must be replaced. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America. Before I do my last sign-off, this Thursday, in our, in our great new in-studio, fabulous studio we have on Thursdays, we have Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joining us uh, in studio, and he's, uh, I'm sure, going to be loaded for bear on a lot of questions. We'll have a great day talking with him. But for everybody else, thank you so very much for listening to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can